In the Criminal Justice Act system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally awesome dinosaurs. The police who investigate crime with their laser beams, and the district attorneys who control the power of magnetism and prosecute the robo-offenders. These are their rocking stories. One day, the scene of the fire, the cop found the perfect axe. That was the day he became X-Cop! I need a partner now. So he had trials and hired a partner. My name is Fluke Cop. We've got some bad guys to kill. I will chop your heads off! You could just leave it there, honestly. Yeah. No, I, I do like the idea of doing chop chop. For the yeah. uh, chop chop couple for this couple thing. of ash chop, chop, chop sound effects. <laughs> yeah. Dan, have you ever uh entered a deposition with the with the power move of saying, I will chop your heads off? <laughs> I haven't tried that yet, but I might try it That's at my next. feels actionable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to the Carton Cast. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. My name is Dan. And this is the podcast where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. And today, we've got a real special one. <laughs> There's a zombie podcast on the loose. I will cut your head off. I, I do think that you, of the three of us, you are the best, uh, the best, best cop of axes. Thank you, Ben. Compliment acknowledged. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you're turning into RoboCop a little. <laughs> uh, Dan, thanks for coming back on our Thank show. Thank you very much for having me. I was uh, thrilled to have an invitation, and you know, this was a this is an interesting show to be invited to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I think we're talking about Axe Cop. It's a weird. It was weird from the inception, and it remains odd today. Yeah. Yeah, I I I have to wonder, Dan, because you're not in the sphere that we are, so maybe the notion of Axe Cop was new to you? Yeah. <laughs> I had never heard of it until it was suggested to me, and then, like, I looked it up, and it just seemed like a good idea. <laughs> but, <laughs> First but of one, all. <laughs> but one that I couldn't really fathom how it would come come to be. And then when I actually finally got to seeing it, it's like this is exactly what I expected. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Extent. I don't know why I had any yeah. other thoughts. <laughs> like they promised me Axe Cop, I got Axe Cop. I often come <laughs> to these shows with at least some internal expectation that I'm going to have some kind of like deep commentary on <laughs> on the subject matter. I feel like we've had that in previous episodes. Like you know, like just just. Uh, I, too many to mention, but like when you have a show that was literally written by a, or at least a web comic adapted into a show that was written by a five year old, it's like <laughs> yeah. the meta story of this entire work is very important to my enjoyment of but it. But then having it like having the humor still adultified, like that is just yeah, a beautiful, This is not a show for kids. Not a show for in kids any way. whatsoever. <laughs> not, not like Dan Versus, which is a family show. Uh-huh. It was like a just, a, just amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad, glad that you had. So. I'm, I'm glad that you had such a good, such a maybe not warm but uh, intense reception to it. <laughs> intense is the word, I'd say. Intense is the word. Yeah, it's it's an interesting property because um, you know we are kind of we were we were schooled in the era of absurdist humor more or less in our cartoons Ed Ed and Eddie. Adventure Time, etc. Um, Perfect Hair Forever, Aqua Teen. Like there, there are a lot of shows that really push the whole. 
we kind of don't even need jokes as long as we hit you fast enough with these in these um inherently funny concepts you know the animation equivalent of bus full of nuns um this is this is uh the, like I think Axe Cop is kind of a unique specimen within that genre though. Uh specifically because of its inception and what it came from as well as coming from a webcomic. Yeah. which also imparts some flavor in it that I wouldn't normally ascribe to these kind of shows. Yeah, it's it's an interesting specimen because it's not really like anything else, but it's very like itself. Like <laughs> each episode you get a very similar feeling, but no one's really tried to replicate it. <laughs> I don't know if you could, in good conscience, try right. to replicate it. Right. Um, Zane, tell us the glorious production history of Axe Cop. Axe Cop uh, ran on Fox and FXX from 2013 to 2015. Uh, it was based on the comic series by Dark Horse made by Ethan Nicole and his five-year-old brother Malachi, whom he prompts for plot incidents and then sews them together. Uh, so the idea is he talks to his young brother whose personality he found very, you know, inventive and, you know, very like schoolyard, uh, you know, I'm a superhero. Oh, I shoot the lasers. Well, I my body deflects lasers like that kind of spirit uh, and just kind of encouraged a child and then wrote that yeah. and then adapted that to a TV show. <laughs> Um, Yet, a a couple of notes there that I just want to point out. At the beginning of every episode, and I think they did this in the webcomic as well, they show, written by, um, uh... Ethan Nicole, Malachi Nicole. Written by Malachi Nicole, and storyboarded or, or, you know, drawn by uh, Ethan Nicole, and it shows their ages. (laughs) And Ethan Nicole is, what was it, 26? Yeah, 29. 29. Yeah. And Malachi is five. First of all, you know I've I've, I've had brothers. And <laughs> Are you hooked on the brothers? Th- I think that there's something really interesting about a brother relationship that is unmoored by like, oh, we were in the same social space and development space at the same time. Yeah. No, they, yeah. they can a generation apart. A generation apart. Basically. Yeah. And for the older brother to encourage the younger brother, first of all, that's sweet as hell. <laughs> He's going to make a great dad, I think. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, that that's just, that's such a, it's, some, it's something that you can't get with partners that are closer in age, I guess. Yeah. Also maybe um, slightly exploitative, too. Like you've got like an old, <laughs> like, all right, I'm going to take advantage of this childlike mind and profit as, off as, of it and even I, I don't know as how an advertising hook it's valuable right like yeah. hearing yes. like oh this was written by a five-year-old like yeah yeah i'll watch an episode <laughs> why not oh but it's very written by a five-year-old yeah. is the thing mm-hmm. in, like in they, they, they hold to that when they made it a tv show later on which you'll tell us more in a second they would regularly be like there's not enough plot to make a show out of and they would Go ask the five-year-old, hey, how do these things relate to each other? And he would update the stories to fit, like, an actual show, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the show is produced by Nick Weidenfeld, uh, who also developed Robot Chicken and the Boondocks, uh, as well as Judah Miller, who produced on King of the Hill and American Dad. So we're playing in the late 2000s to early 2010s era of adult animation, right before it hits the mainstream. 
thoughts? Benzine? Sorry, I didn't have anything to say to that. <laughs> well, what you know, th- this was a time for me when I was not really that engaged with TV or animation. Like, we started the Carton cast around this time. We were looking yeah. at the old shit, right? So that's what I was steeped back into, kind of trying to reclaim my childhood during my first adulthood. Um, yeah. So the idea of new adult animation, it took a few years before that really caught on you know, with Netflix uh, shows and, and, and things like that. And so I don't think this really got the widest distribution. Hmm. There, Yeah, we were kind of in the era where, like I, I had mentioned Adventure Time, I think that's a decent parallel to this. Um, also because it was originally a YouTube short of like five minutes in length mm-hmm. and was far more zany and random than what it would eventually become. Um, but yeah, we... It, it This show captures kind of a lot of the madcap majesty of independent creators, kind of like Flash animation tended to yeah, for a while. Yeah, or Adult Swim. But it's, you know, it's competently done. But, you know, you mentioned Robot Chicken, American Dad. These, these people who are the creative forces behind crafting the show are not five-year-olds right <laughs> so, yeah. so just to watch all just to watch so much effort go to a thing that wasn't um floated by a uh a writer wasn't you know hemmed down in a writing room of some sort or pitched via committee or anything like that it was just we have so many resources and they're all going to this concept and what I found I was trying to focus on in this show was how much of it felt like a five-year-old was talking to me. Mm-hmm. And and a good amount of the writing is exactly that, and it makes my heart sing. Yeah. I, I'm, before we get into the, you know, the details of the show, I mostly want to know, like, why do you think it hadn't hit, like, a wider audience? Like, this seems like... It, it, it's very evocative. Like, I feel like everybody heard about it and saw the first episode when it came out and then never noticed it again. <laughs> well, it. I mean, by definition, it's kind of flash in the pan, right? Written by a five-year-old is, True. Uh, as you said, like, it's a good hook, but it doesn't necessarily have a lot of staying power. Right. And, you know, once you hear the joke, you can't continue hearing it. Like, it's not like a Game of Thrones plot line where you're, it's going to be kind of in the cultural consciousness for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, could be. I think that's a good point. It was very flash in the pan. I think that it it probably benefited from binging um, on, <laughs> on, on on my preparation for this show. Like your with, guard was down. My guard was down, especially with like ten minute episodes. Like it's it it, it seems like yeah, it, it did kind of feel like at certain times it was you know, it's it's the same kind of joke. It's Axe cop is absurd. Absurd things happen. The child mind takes over. Everything <laughs> resolves by the end. And then, that, how, how, how okay. many different times can you can you you know like maybe that's not for everybody. When I'm thinking about one of the big shows at the time was something like Archer, where it was more like yeah. it's a 30 minute show. It's more developed. It's more adult humor, and it's more. You know, it's more snappy writing that is. There's very, more places to more go. More places certainly. to go. So it's like it's an easier yeah. sell to other adults. Yeah, 
you know, that you're trying to get to watch a show. <laughs> Maybe that's part of it is like the formula of Axe Cop was very untested at the time. Mm. So maybe, maybe maybe marketing didn't feel like throwing their full weight behind it. Was, it, it was but, novel, um, and so they didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah, and what you had mentioned just there um, of, like, you know, binging it really lends itself to that. I think that's really important to my enjoyment of Axe Cop. I don't know if you guys feel like this, but um, the pacing in it is legendary. <laughs> like, they know exactly how much you should focus on Bat Wombat Man, or Bat what was it? Bat Warthog Bat, Man. Bat Warthog yeah. Man, which is like the for the the space of two sentences, yep. <laughs> and, and then we're then we're in space. Like it, it, it's the pacing of it teaches you everything you need to know about the content of the show, which is don't pay don't pay attention, <laughs> just just wait just wait for it to tell you some more of the same joke, yeah. but delivered by legendary deadpan. Nick Offerman. Yeah. Yeah, that um, that's that I think is really crucial is the is the casting on that. Yeah. Um because he can really sell like faux serious adult play who's serious. A child. Play like, serious is yeah. the is the tone of this comedic work. Mm-hmm. And um I have a lot of appreciation for play serious. And then and then um, like randomly occasionally like Jonathan Banks, like Mike from Breaking Bad and but it, like, yeah. he, like his voice just comes grumbling and uh, like it's just, it's just like I, I love the, the the voice casting in this. Oh, yeah. every time the 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 Patton Oswalt character, the guy with the socks for arms, mm-hmm. every time he <laughs> showed up, I'm like that's that's just Patton Oswalt. Yep, <laughs> he's just here to be Patton Oswalt, <laughs> as he so often is. Uh, but yeah, the, the the conceit of the show is uh, <laughs> there's an ex cop. He's not a cop explicitly he gets contacted sometimes by the regular police and they're like we can't handle this he's a superhero whose gimmick is that he's an axe cop yeah and he wears like a little black cat suit when he's fighting evil when he's prowling yeah prowling through the streets because that's what a child would imagine a cat suit means yeah so right away um one night the the or like there was a cop the night of the fire yeah he the, found the perfect the fire axe. the fire the night of the fire is very poetic, poetic. <laughs> uh and, and uh, the way that the concept originally happened was the brothers you know were hanging out and the kid was playing with like a stick or something it was like i'm axe cop and he's like can i play too and like okay you can be axe cop and i'll be and he just grabs a, a little like toy recorder and i'll be flute cop <laughs> 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 and like that makes sense to a kid. It's so cute, and it, and it sells it here. It's like okay, he has a partner flute cop who's just like the voice of reason, or like yeah, the yeah. Watson. What's supposed to ground you so that the rest of the show can go off? It's like a pu- um, a standard issue pudgy detective looking like looking like Andy uh, Sipowitz from NYPD yeah. Blue. Like I love I love flute <laughs> cop. <laughs> and yeah, um, we go on adventures and meet fun nouns and fight weirder things and uh and then a scene end like yeah and like this this the actual nuts and bolts of any given episode are kind of unimportant to the general flow of the episode so i'm going to try to describe what i consider to be the main joke telling mechanism in this show which is that axe cop has a set of rules that this absurdist fantasy world works on and no one else does 
Or, like, he and all of the supervillains have these, have, like, a set of rules that, like, oh, if, why why are they going to try to wipe out all the sand people from the sand planet? Because if they wipe out all the sand people from the sand planet, they get to rename the planet, and if the name of the planet rhymes with your name, it gives you all the power in the universe. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and that joke you can iterate pretty endlessly. But yeah. Like, the deadpan that Nick Offerman gives and the fact that he thinks that it's perfectly common sense. Of course. Like, everything... <laughs> of course. Like, I can't believe I have to explain this. Flute Cop uh, uh, arrives at, uh, you know, like, where, uh, a, a scene where Fl- Axe Cop has been murdered by Baby Man, man with the power of a baby, uh, <laughs> who is just... Like, that's incredible, too, because it's like a hardened criminal-faced guy in a big baby suit. Um, but yeah, Flute Cop shows up, and Axe Cop has, has been murdered. He's been killed, and his body's tied to a chair. And he's about to go in. Flute Cop's about to go in and help, and Axe Cop's ghost shows up and says, No, it's okay. I allowed myself to be killed so that I could come back as a ghost to untie myself. <laughs> and so he does that, and then, in, and then possesses himself, and then he's back up. Of course! Like, if you are a kid who is playing in the schoolyard game of we're superheroes, you keep whatever bullshit you can to stay in the game. (laughs) It does have the feeling of, like, a playground imaginary fight, and you've been caught in an unwinnable situation, and because you're a child who doesn't want to admit that he's been bested, you just dig in your heels and start making shit up. Yes. (laughs) But of course... And it's, it's... beautiful now of course we must remember uh, this is one of my main moral takeaways like that episode that you just described zane with baby man baby man Mm -hmm. we learn did not kill because he was evil baby man killed because he was dumb because babies are dumb (laughs) (laughs) which is which is is a very five-year-old thing to think but also very true and therefore, if you make Baby Man not dumb, he ceases to have the impulse to kill and do evil things. Right. It Obviously. Helps they have, like, it helps that they have access to an actual baby with a unicorn horn that grants wishes. Yep. So anytime they need to kind of, like, explain a few more things, that's how they do it. Unibaby, of course. Everybody knows Unibaby. Unibaby. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Man, there's... Yeah, this show's real unique (laughs) it it shows a willingness to like the kid said something and rather than try to like get him to amend it or or like think through it just say yeah this is yes and this is a really hard like improv exercise where you're doing like a long form thing uh where you'll stop after each scene everybody gets together gets really hyped and and yes ands and anytime somebody says something that's the next thing that's going to happen and it's awful because sometimes somebody will say the absolute worst idea and you all just have to be like, yep, that's what we're doing next scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it Like an incredible amount of patience and willingness that this, uh, that this older brother had. Yeah. Um, there is, I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much we want to spend on saying like, this is how the characters behave. I think it's going to be a lot of like, explaining through example because there were a lot of great examples (laughs) i'd like to say also that apparently it's not just like it it wasn't just um ethan nicole who pushed for malachi to continue to be kind of the 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 brain the creative heart of this um 
when Nick Offerman was like heard of this project and like wanted to be on it, like they had like a whole room of like of of like the creators of other shows and Patton Oswalt <laughs> and Ken Marino and and Offerman they all just discuss the favorite parts of the comic <laughs> which which is I, I i love any kind of work where like a really high profile name like nick offerman likes this dumb little nerdy shit on the internet yeah. like it, it's like it that's very good. cute and they all discussed how do we make this show how how do we keep all of the moments that are 100% pure malachi right. in it when when <laughs> like, somebody uh when a mummy gets a power diamond so that he becomes half man, half everything. That's <laughs> so good. The phraseology <laughs> that had to have come from a child who didn't know a better way of expressing power. <laughs> and, and just like these high profile actors all coming around a table and being like, we, we want to bring this five-year-old's vision <laughs> to life. There's, there's something so beautiful and like, tender about that Mm -hmm. that i that i struggle to to (laughs) accurately like i I struggle to put it into words but it like it that's why the meta story of this is really important for my enjoyment because every time you have the power diamond half mummy half everything first of all you know that came from a five-year-old and second of all we get to see how a bunch of working professionals (laughs) tried to interpret such a thing (laughs) without changing it this is the best case scenario of like you know, due to line of succession and like er- early death, the monarch is now a-, a child, and you have to follow their whims. Yeah. Oh man, what was? Sometimes they'll come up with jokes that are like, "This was clearly a one hundred percent pure Malachi line." Right. Yeah. The, um, the, yeah. The the fact that these kind of jokes could, in theory, be crafted by a team of writers who are just really trying to nail a certain aesthetic, the verisimilitude gives it you know it gives it that lightness that that willingness to go along yeah dan did you feel like how how far were you into it because you said it binging helped how how long did it take you to kind of pick up on the pace that this show was giving you like it teach you what you needed to know in order to turn your brain off to enjoy it that kind of like two or three episodes so about a half hour's worth of this content (laughs) i think i mean one thing that kind of struck me is the first episode i feel like the first episode at least to my interpretation like it wasn't quite what it would become and even some of it Mm -hmm. is just like in the voice acting my, my initial my initial take on nick offerman was like I can't tell if this is Nick Offerman or if it's a deep fake of Nick Offerman. <laughs> but then eventually you do get like more Nick Offermanness out of it. But like that first episode, yeah. it's like I didn't quite know. I the only thing that I knew, I didn't read any of the synopses or anything like that going into these episodes. I Good. just knew okay, basic premise is, you know, a kind of adult and a five year old wrote this comic and it's been turned into an FX show and Nick Offerman is doing the voice. What is this? And then like you get the first episode with the Nick Offerman deep fake voice acting. And then you get the second episode with uh, a sentient poop named Dr. Doodoo. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then by the time you get to like the third episode, <laughs> just going to try to kill everybody by making them poop yep. their pants until they yep. die. Yep. <laughs> Trying to tr- and uh, doing so by marrying the Queen of London. <laughs> And getting her magic scepter. Yeah, getting her magic scepter. <laughs> but then by the time you get to the third episode, the uh, the uh, Revolutionary War epic with oh, Jonathan, Jonathan Banks as book cop doing battle with the King <laughs> of London, who is also very clearly the Burger King <laughs> in, in design. Like, that's when I was like, okay, I am... I, I am on board with this show. Take me on your wild ride, Axe Cop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. I didn't wa- read the original webcomic. You have to yeah. wonder what the proportion of invented. Yeah, purely by like how much? How many of these plots were purely by five-year-old? I, I, I have a little brain. bit of insight there. I went and checked out okay. a couple of the, of the comics. <clears throat> So first thing with the comics, uh, they mix and mash, right? So lines in an episode of the show could come from completely different plot lines or like monsters would show up in different places. Like it's all thrown together and spliced so that it makes a at least somewhat cohesive narrative in the show. Yeah. Um, but then, so in the first episode, one of the, I, I hate to call them plot points, um, <laughs> they go to rent a dinosaur horn i don't remember why um but yeah they needed it okay zane i can i can help out here it's you, they, you start they'll met start to merge together it, in my head yeah, yeah, yeah. this was the this is the first episode yeah, yeah. yes it summons if, dinosaurs if if i remember correctly um bat warthog man's friends were stolen <laughs> yes because you might not know the word for kidnapping at that age. And <laughs> Axe Cop immediately intuits, that's the worst thing I ever heard. Only one person is evil enough to do that. The king of all bad guys. <laughs> We're going to need a dinosaur horn. Enter the dinosaur horn at that shop. Point, I don't think at that point they explain why they need the dinosaur horn. Right. But yes, they go to the... Axe Cop has a poor relationship with the dinosaur horn shop because he consistently <laughs> he consistently returns them late and is like <laughs> and has to pay late has fees. to pay late fees and the big one of the big plot points if you can call it that of that episode was we got to get this dinosaur horn back before the due date. Right, that becomes the new, like, because Axcom can do anything, that becomes the new, like, yeah. stakes. Um, but so, so in, yeah, so in the original comic, the, like, uh, exposition bar above the panel is like, okay, if, in order to do this, we need to go get a dinosaur horn at the dinosaur horn shop. And I'm assuming that comes directly from Malachi. Then yeah, in, the, you get in the panel itself, we see the sales clerk saying buy or rent. <laughs> yeah. Then in the show, we get the back and forth of like, well, it's it's cheaper to buy if, you know, if you expect to have to return it late due to the late fees. That feels like an adapted for TV section. Oh, absolutely. And to, if I yeah. can be honest, whenever I could peer behind the veil and see this was a writer's room trying to make content... I enjoyed it a bit less. It is when the, it, okay. it, when there was mystery as to whether this line came directly from a five year old. That that was where this show really sings for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like because 
you don't know would he specify certain details like like when X-Cop fights Bad Santa and Bad Santa has a sleigh that is crewed by four giant cobras yep. were the cobras specified by the child or were they, were they just, just were they just written. consistent with the aesthetic I could see it go either way yeah and that that's where some of the magic is for me mm-hmm. honestly like when they when they go to the king of all bad guys and it's revealed that the dinosaur horn summons dinosaurs and they use it inside the king of all bad guys to eat his brain because if his brain is gone he can't be evil anymore and he'll be the king of all good guys it, like it like that is <laughs> that's that's flimsy enough to where it's so weird that the flimsier the writing is, the more I enjoy it. <laughs> because I can be like, oh, thanks, Malachi. <laughs> Here's to you. Yeah, uh, Dan, was there a particular, like, kind of plot event or turn of phrase or just juxtaposition of concepts that, that really worked for you here? I mean, I, I, I'm adopting Babies Are Dumb as my new motto. <laughs> I think that, that that that's the main turn of phrase that really stands out to me. I, no, I, the, I don't think that other than that, like, it just all sort of was a big a, a big tidal wave of experience. I don't know. Like, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, I, but, Ben, I will say that I actually did probably enjoy the stuff that was clearly written by adults probably more than you like that back and forth mm. about, well, if you just keep returning these dinosaur horns late, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. just going to add up and you might as well just buy the horn. But and then like the obstinacy of ax cop and not buying yes. a horn, just like, and then at the very end in the credit scene, he's returning it back. And it's like, I can't believe you people keep hitting me with these, these, uh, with these <laughs> hidden fees. It's a late fee. You've told you like you've been dealing with this. Since, yeah. It's like not hidden. It has a yeah, name. It's not hidden. It has a name. Like those moments actually did like still speak to me. Like it, it's a balance obviously, because it can't just all yeah. be five-year-old humor. No. At, at all times, yeah. but I feel like they did try to at least like it's a pretty juvenile back and forth between those two, and like when, well, it, when has it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. X Cop yeah. is a depiction of what a five year old thinks is a superhero, yeah. Yeah. which yeah. is like not a intellectual powerhouse. It is a Nick Offerman design, hmm. exactly. Ben, on the subject of uh, like destroying somebody's brain, yeah, uh, I want to talk about how like. This show revels in its brutality in a way that makes it extremely clear that it's not for kids. It's the kind of violence that can only come from a child that doesn't know the consequences of violence. Right, like, Axe Cop's constantly beheading people, and it's okay because he's a good guy and they're bad guys. Yeah, it's... In, a, in, that... in like, a, like, a, like an Old Testament God justification way. Yeah, and, and also, like, kind of, you know... We we have to explain why prisons exist to a child. We have to use the terminal. We have to use the terms good and evil because they don't have the capacity for, you know, more distinct levels of moral correctness and like circumstances and what. Like we don't have the verbiage. They don't have the verbiage to understand this yet. So we have to describe it in terms of just extremes. Mm-hmm. And then that child regurgitates extremes, which is chilling <laughs> like but, but it also leads to shit like this i mean yeah like the 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 kid lacks context for like 
degrees and nuance, right? When X-Cop is fighting Bad Santa, Bad Santa says that he's going to fly to heaven and kill God so he can become Jesus. It's clear <laughs> that those three entities are roughly equal. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> and there's almost like a there's almost like a very um a political message in there somewhere. <laughs> but there can't be. <laughs> no, but there can't be, which is why it's so good. It's almost like there's so little room for commentary in this premise that that itself is kind of a commentary. It's like, yeah, yeah. I don't even know <laughs> like, what I like, mean by that. How dare but. we enable this child to believe that it's okay to like kill a rabbit for doing non-rabbit things. <laughs> this is, God damn it. That's so funny. This is, this is why I God, what, what was he doing? He just wanted to eat coconuts. And then <laughs> yeah, he was just walking on his hind leg guy, and holding a coconut. And he, our good cop guy, Axe Cop, is like, if you thought that, you shouldn't have been born, born. a rabbit. <laughs> and then chops his head. Like a straight up Yzma from Emperor's New Groove line. Yeah. You should have thought of that before you decided to be peasants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that, that's why I say that the best moments of this show for me is when I can see Malachi and Ethan sitting down in the park with a coloring book and just doodling and talking back and forth. Whenever I can see that yeah. distinctly is is my favorite point. The the parts where you can see the writers like doing the back and forth, I also enjoy that. Mm. It's just not you as that you can get that somewhere else. Yeah, I can get that somewhere else. But I I recognize the the necessity of it as just like you can't do 20 minutes of madcap insanity. Like, I, no, I get that. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, how did you feel about the, the, the writing in general uh, in this, Dan? Like, you said that that, that back and forth kind of worked for you. Is that a thing that tends to in, in this show? Um, yeah, there wasn't a lot of it, though. I mean, that's I think that's something important to note. Um, the writing, like, to the extent that you can say that those, like, malachi ethan moments are written like that's still gold i mean yeah yeah and it's definitely on center stage yeah Yeah. i think it plays well specifically on first viewing i think a lot of the charm comes in just having no clue what's coming next right yeah and so if you were to you know rewatch this or space it out a bit more it it might lose its appeal i i can imagine that maybe this we're kind of going through the same thing that the uh, the broader cartoon-watching audience went through, where it, it is very flash-in-the-pan, and we will probably lose our enthusiasm about this once we're done talking about it today. <laughs> um, so, so that makes some sense. I mean, what? Like, in total, this entire show, beginning to end, is like three hours. 20, like, yeah, 22 episodes. 22 episodes yeah. of about 10 minutes each. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's four hours. Yeah, yeah, and like I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to shit on like the, the 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 writers behind some of the more like mundane kind of moments because like I found that this was produced like I said it earlier, like just legendarily paced, like paced like a five year old explaining their dream, which is completely correct that's absolutely what you should be doing here i never want to sit in a conversation or a room more than like 12 seconds yeah i'm um i didn't watch all the episodes i'm looking at the plot summary page on wikipedia (laughs) yeah and i i gotta i gotta read this one i gotta read there 
okay, this is uh, the final episode, actually. This is Baboons Rising. Uh, there's an uprising of baboons which led to the death of Pre- President Towsard. Uh, Axcop enlists the almighty bear and his bear army of Bearopolis to fight the baboon army. Uh, the baboon army plans to target secret President Larry. Uh, <laughs> and so Axcop and the almighty bear must enter secret President Larry's bloodstream to confront the almighty baboon. God yeah. damn. It just... It just keeps going, man. Yeah, like... what. Well- what more do you want? <laughs> yeah. Like, are you not entertained? The animators had more to do than the writers. The yeah. animators must have had a fucking field day. Because, yes. mm-hmm. well, like, how often do you get tasked with, we want this to be as ludicrous as you can make it? Everything that isn't Axe Cop needs to be fucking flying off the walls. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it's... Uh, like especially in the comparison of like scenes that Axe Cop is in, where he will be doing some really cool action. It's it's comic booky, right? It's very action to action, but it's not. You know, you know that he does do some cool moves. Cut to Flute Cop, who is just kind of standing there and like talking and trying to be a normal, rational person. <laughs> um, I, I thought that played very well. It does. It um, reminded me there... a lot of the Tick, the aesthetic between Arthur oh, and the Tick. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, this yeah, feels yeah. very much like a modern incarnation of of that. Like, where do you I, go from the tick? I can definitely see that. Uh, worth pointing out, we talked about how, like, the play serious aesthetic of all this, which comics is perfect for, because they're already crazy melodramatic works of, uh, works of fiction. So to have something that kind of goes with the comic book aesthetic is perfect. But... It's not merely Nick Offerman's deadpan delivery and, like, the nature of the dialogue. There's also, like, melodramatic orchestral scoring and dramatic <laughs> stings. Yeah. Which which are incredible. There's... And, like... Let, let, me, let, me, let me set a scene for you guys, because it's, it's really um, kind of the formula for why the deadpan is so good. So, they'll they'll kind of do this joke where everyone comes to the same ludicrous conclusion that no sane person would ever come to. I love this joke. It will always work on me. The Queen of Water was kidnapped, which means that the oceans disappear. Ah. And the singular conclusion that everyone comes to independently is that now there's nothing to stop the tigers and the sharks from going to war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when they when they uncover that little tidbit of knowledge, there's like the zoom in and the oh no, and like the the sting noise. Ding. Um, the entire medium is so into this idea that this should be a huge reveal. <laughs> but if you're just looking at the pieces that they're giving you, they're Wait, what? Obviously! <laughs> They're going to war? The sharks are going to war? And then, as a viewer, you're like, alright, the ocean's gone, though. So so what is this gonna look like? And then the animators fucking draw shark <laughs> fins poking up through the tall grass on the savannah, <laughs> and you're like, that was the answer. Yep. <laughs> you've, you've done it. <laughs> so, like, every every piece of this kind of, kind of all works together. And, like... yeah. I don't know how how well would this show work if you didn't realize that the animators had to solve a puzzle 
every time one of these things came up. I think it would just feel a lot less well fleshed out. Like the, the because it's derived from a comic book, um, and if you look at the comic book, the panels are just this bizarre character and this one are flying at each other in in pre-fight anger or standing yeah. around talking, right? So, like, all of the <clears throat> we need to bring what this person said to life, uh, that, that all has to be made fresh. Yeah. At this... Yeah, and, and frankly, I, I think that it was almost... In, almost always I was very satisfied with how it was uh, created mm-hmm. ad hoc. Like, goddamn, the, the the fact that the sharks with the fins poking out of the grass is inspired. Like, that's... <laughs> and the fact that I asked that question before it happened, so I was, like, in the writer's room, too. It's like, how are we going to do this shit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Whoa, brain. Lost my thought. Yeah, I had one as well. <sighs> nice. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, so um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me let me let me ben, let me ben try and I are to sharing a brain these days. <laughs> let, yeah, let's 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 start fresh somewhere. Um, because we've talked about the generalities and the tone and all this, um, we haven't really talked about the specific entity of Axe Cop, which is a very shallow creation. Like, yes. okay, clearly a five year old was enamored with both cops and firefighters at the same time, and this is how we got there. Right. Um. I found the very flat construction of a world's manliest man axe cop very endearing. Mm-hmm. Like, it, yeah. whenever he decided to do a thing, it's always the right thing. You know, he has to fight his, um, he has to fight his ultimate son at one point. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And he taught him all his kicks, which, like, okay, five-year-old again, all... All attacks are just some secret attack that is in the form of a kick. So it's like <laughs> dynamite kick, outer space kick, like fire kick, like it, whatever you can think of. And then, um, and then the goddamn, I, I, I know that I'm not even. He, he got a super, any, he had a super secret kick, right? To, well, to, it to take wasn't a super, wasn't a super secret kick. He's like, I didn't teach you all my kicks because I just came up with this one, <laughs> right? The soul kick. First of all, amazing line read. Second of all, animators showing us what they consider a soul kick to be, <laughs> and me in the viewer's seat being like, yes, that is clearly a soul kick. That is what a soul kick looks like. You have done it. But just like the, the, the unrestrained bravado, yeah. like the earned bravado of the axe cop always does it for me. It's interesting because it's so hard to write an engaging Mary Sue character. Dan, are you familiar with this this trope? Like, a character who who is good at everything and can do no wrong? Yeah, yeah, I've heard the term, for sure. Yeah, because you think of, like, Superman and how often he's mismanaged in film. Uh, or you think of, like, Doctor Who, who's just, you know should be able to solve every problem because he has time travel and a magic wand. But to write it well, you almost have to make all of those advantages not matter mm-hmm. because all of the problems and solutions are being come up with spur of the moment. I think that 
the way they handle this is pretty elegant. So I want to throw the mind back to when, when, oh, God damn it, what was that? There was like a, there was a dog slash gorilla in the show with a with a man's head. Yes. Oh, are you um, talking about um, army chihuahua? Not, no, it's a distinct man dog creature <laughs> of some sort. I remember the concept of what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and and this man dog creature had a sister who 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 was like I had previously stated, wiped out all the sand people on the sand planet so that she could rename the planet right. to rhyme with her name to give her all the power in the universe. And she becomes some sort of Galactus thing at this point. Mhm. What this affords us as people who are writing Axe Cop is Axe Cop gets to fight a planet. Like, <laughs> like there, there isn't actual consideration of, well, well the, the power levels don't work out, or well, why didn't Axe Cop see this coming? It's, it's there isn't really agency no. on the part of Axe Cop. Like, Axe Cop is very reactive. Like, yeah, the he, eternal present. Just some bullshit happens, and he is the key to every lock. Mm -hmm. But the way this is written, it doesn't cause you to question like wait a minute all the power in the universe i don't think beheading would work against that like <laughs> you, you're never going to crunch the numbers with this show the the show kind of tells you axe cop finds problem and we we know axe cop axe cop can do whatever he wants so let us tell you the way the problem is solved you don't have to do the calculations yourself you know, and that might be one of the things that you kind of came to in the third episode that let you kind of imbibe this direct, you know, drink this neat, yeah. is that they'll, they'll tell you what X-Cop is doing and wants to do and can do. Because it's always going to be mm -hmm. new. It's unmoored in time and space. There's no consistency. But that is liberating as opposed to confining. I buy that. I buy that. that. That's just my take on well, it. I buy that. And kind of going back to Zane, your point about like, this is kind of a chiseled Mary Sue kind of like mm -hmm. man's man kind of, you know, character. I mean, with, with a glorious mustache. So, of course, this was written for Nick Offerman, whether they, yeah, whether yeah. they knew it or not. Yeah. So, like, you know, that's that's kind of the. The, the the character that he's taken on in a lot of the um in like a lot of the media that he's you know portrayed in yeah whether yeah, every, yeah. everybody's good hearted dad kind yeah. of thing whether it's like you know Ron Swanson or even like caricatures of himself yeah in like you know I'm I I I can't think of anything right now but like you know the author of Paddle Your Own Canoe like he knows exactly what to do. He knows exactly why to do it, and he's just kind of reacting to the reality of life, and yeah. it's, you know... He is very much going through a checklist on a Sunday, mm -hmm. you know? Like, <laughs> I have five chores. Time to do the chores. Like, there isn't actual thought going into... Everything's already predetermined. Like, I have to do these things. This is the order of events. He's never surprised. Yep. He's never out of sorts he's never unprepared 
like what was it there was one episode where he was abducted by a gorilla cop i don't remember what it was called it was probably gorilla cop (laughs) he was given to this guy with an exposed brain who wanted to so okay first first part of the episode axe cop becomes the president of the world and reigns over a million years of peace and he gets really bored um until he realizes oh i only stipulated it was a million years of peace on earth so he goes to other planets and gorilla cop finds him brings him back to their planet and kills him like beheads him and in and and does like a body swap creates a robot axe cop to go to earth right and be the president and tell everyone hey stab yourselves in the chest of course. Again, weird, weird amount of violence, but sure. This all happens, but Axe Cop, like they, they, he, he retcons the whole situation, like in real time. <laughs> He's like, "No, what I did was I create, I used a magic pencil to draw a second Earth, and then draw copies of all of the people <laughs> on Earth, but with bombs in their chests." And then when they get stabbed, they will explode and you will die because you are watching it happen. Yep. <laughs> and it, like, he's like, well, you got beheaded. My head can reattach itself to me. It's one of my favorite things about myself. <laughs> Just this. None of this came as a surprise. There's no ebb and flow to the conflict. <laughs> this was all predetermined in his head. Like, yeah, yeah. there is something about that I've... I've seen if this all before. <laughs> if you play it straight, it doesn't make for a good dramatic work, but this isn't one. Right. We're not we're not on the edge of our seat seeing how is he going to get out of this one, or at least not in that cadence. We're going to say, how is he going to get out of this one? Like, <laughs> I want to see what they come up with. Right. Um, ben, you, you mentioned something in that plot summary that I think is worth... <laughs> Bringing up, which is uh, this this plot construction that happens in, I would say, about half of the episodes where something <laughs> happens and then they say, oh, no, wait, that only happens on Earth. What about some other planet? Right. This this is the classic like rules the, lawyering. The, yeah. The, the, a child. This is as far as a child's minds can go of loopholes, <laughs> which is. All the things in the world, just this world, ha ha ha. But on the talking gorilla I, planet, things are it different. Just, it just yeah. keeps happening. <laughs> There's something beautiful about that. Like I, I, I have such fondness for the, the, the unmoored psychology of a five-year-old in mm-hmm. this, who realize that they wrote themselves into a corner. Yeah. But again, digs their heels in is like, no, I don't concede. <laughs> you know, we, we were we were playing. You know, we were playing chess. 2.0 where you want to get your king captured yeah yep <laughs> it's calvin ball he's playing calvin ball yep. with an animated work it's really good mm-hmm. um but yeah the the yes the powerful yes and energy of nick offerman <laughs> is x cop who says something and therefore it's true um <laughs> yes another thing that, that happens a so lot the case another thing that happens a lot in the show is uh, a, a character often flute cop will get transformed into something mm-hmm <laughs> yeah. So, so he'll get turned into a dinosaur, and X Cop will just point his axe at him and say, You will now be called Dinosaur Soldier. 
And people who weren't in that scene will immediately refer to him yeah. as Dinosaur Soldier. <laughs> yeah, he, he's writing the book of reality as we're watching. And because Axe Cop, like, is so authoritative and, and uh, like, confident, you don't question that it's, like, a problem that needs to get resolved. Like, okay, yeah. he could be a dinosaur or an avocado now. We're just going to call him Avocado Soldier. <laughs> They'll occasionally poke fun at that where mm. like he'll say something outlandish with that confidence and everyone around him is going to be like wait what, what does that mean and it won't get commented upon <laughs> yeah i don't love those jokes i don't love the whole pointing at breaking the fourth wall kind of things yeah um it's not that big of a deal but like it's not my favorite kind of joke sure mm-hmm uh i did want to i i'm looking through my notes and if nothing else, I feel like this episode is mostly just going to be we love how who how how damn silly this is. Mm-hmm. So I have another thing that is very clearly not written by a 5-year-old but is a joke that worked on me. Sure. Where um when he becomes president of the the earth, he says my first decree is that anyone who steals will have the amount they stole dropped on them in change. <laughs> and immediately, someone is robbing a bank with a little bag of cash and just a giant just gets a Santa sack of coins <laughs> immediately falls like, out of the sky. Absolutely was not written by a... Like, a five-year-old didn't have the concepts working for them for that line. No, but they don't it, understand money, it, so... But it, it betrays a, like... A, an understanding in the writer's room of like this is the energy we want to impart mm-hmm. yeah yeah so. At, when uh during the everybody's been turned into bombs or or there are sec- there are replicas of people with bombs yeah F- flute cop the bomb flute cop is aware he was like wait axe cop wouldn't tell people to stab themselves he would behead them himself and he tries to stop it <clears throat> when it becomes revealed about the bomb thing and he's like so i'm a bomb and i'm gonna die so what should, and Axe was like, yeah, you should go over there and stab yourself. And he, he just like, <laughs> like wistfully walks away into the sunset and dips behind a, a mound. And then we see an explosion like that. <laughs> that was a writer's room moment. <laughs> there's an additional, there's an additional detail that you're leaving out, Zane, a very oh, tantalizing. I'm detail. sorry. <laughs> yeah. Which is, it's that- not like my, my mental flavor buds were overloaded. The all the, the like the last twenty seconds is him wistfully walking into the distance and then exploding. This is uh, set to the song <laughs> "Wrecking Ball," right <laughs> during the height of its power. Yep, it's very much in its own own era. I also like the uh, I don't remember which episode, but it ends and he's playing Amazing Grace on the flute and he just keeps fucking it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like ah, oh, that, that didn't sound right. Uh, yeah, there, there's um, it does feel like the entire work has a um, like a low seal, like a low floor to success, or a yeah, a low floor to success. Where like, they're not too worried about doing something too, like like fucking it up a little bit. They're not yeah. worried. Like, they're kind of all. I, I don't know. I think that the people working on this show had a shared understanding. Of as long as we communicate the energy of Axe Cop, the actual specifics don't particularly matter. 
Yeah, you you can like kind of the only way to mess up writing an episode of this is to go too far below like like streamline too much the plot or try and overdo yourself like you can't try and make it serious that will subvert it but you also can't just like just i guess you can kind of just put through an uh an episode from the from the comics but yeah i guess you yeah. can't you can't over serious it right there, there's a narrow band of um adaptation it's it's kind of written for you yeah don't overthink it yeah. Yeah. yeah play serious is the way to imbibe this show like get get on board with that exact aesthetic and you will be rewarded um i was kind of wondering while watching this you know we, we had talked about it briefly at the top of the show is there shows that attempt a similar thing like we don't have the meta story hmm. from right. this in other things this was pretty emergent like five-year-old writes it 29-year-old illustrates like, yeah in a web it, it, it would seem and then extremely get extremely disingenuous to try and pull that again good right you, but like i you can imagine and like i think it's happened before that there are creators whose stuff gets picked like, i was specifically thinking of adventure time mm -hmm. like you know that that was in the in the in the heady heights of the newly appointed youtube era wherein creative um creative internet people were trying to get their foot in the door through this platform that accepted everyone and because it wasn't a um it wasn't a channel it wasn't like a a, a, a network that was trying to create a thing it had such a unique voice for the absurdist humor so i feel like there's a lot in common that just relies on having a very unique voice. Like it can't be, you can't, you can't make an axe cop by committee. I think that's why it was actually a really wise idea to be like, if there's ever disagreements in what the plot is, ask the five-year-old. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's both a heartwarming decision, but also kind of a good business decision. <laughs> like right. it has to feel like this came from a single person and not kind of crafted for anyone. Yeah. But the, yeah, I think Adventure Time kind of hit a similar beat because of how much I like a shape-shifting dog with mutton chops. Like you're you're not going to design that in a lab. Like that that comes from a single person who wants to see a mutton chopped dog. But it, but Adventure Time did lead into did lean into that more long-term long-form storytelling, right? With emotional yes. heart and such. This feels much more... Um, well, it got more serious as time went on, right? Like, yeah, Like, it was true. much more, in, especially in the first couple of seasons, it felt more like an axe cop. It, yeah, it had to go somewhere eventually. Uh, I think aesthetically this is feels much more connected to The Tick or, like, an Earthworm Jim, um, where that's adults trying to recapture their childhood. Um, it also feels a lot more like a comic book than Adventure Time, which puts it, like, in the... In the same ballpark as an earthworm gym or a tick. But in terms of the, like, aesthetic choices of, like, willingness to sound weird or go in a weird direction, it reminded me more of, uh, like, a Cromarty High School, where you'll have an episode <laughs> where half of it is just people, like, humming a tune and being like, God, that sounds, that sounds familiar. Well, why don't you hum it and see if you can remember what it is, right? Like, that feels... And they'll just keep humming to each other for multiple minutes. That, that, that lack of sense of 
what part of a story should be more important than another part of a story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I am going to throw out... Um, so, like, these are more, like, mainstream kind of uh, examples here. But the thing that, when you asked that question that my mind went to, that mm-hmm. is kind of similar to the concept, at least, here, is... Are you familiar with Burnt Face Man? <laughs> is was, that a Ren and Steel? No. Was he, was he a villain in, no. <laughs> in so, Axe you know the Do you know the... The British animator David Firth, he did like salad fingers and stuff like that. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. he did another. Flash. Oh, this is awful. He did another Flash cartoon called Burnt Face Man that kind of had the similar kind of like everything is out of left field kind of vibe. Like I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the the my anus is bleeding cartoon. Like I think Flash animation had a lot of similarities with this style yes, of humor. Yes, I think so. Like this, like this kind of brings me back. This kind of brought me back to like the early two thousands to mid two thousands, like Flash animation uh, craze. You know, back when back when Adobe yeah. Flash was a thing. Oh, <laughs> dude, you probably haven't seen it, but we did a whole episode on like. Flash properties. Oh my gosh! In in remembrance of the Flash technology finally uh, dying. I'll have to track that episode so, down. So so we are actually like kind of have it in the pocket. All of those like salad fingers mm-hmm. and um and and stick finger figure combat yeah. and and shit Home like Star that. Runner, you know stuff. Home like Star that. Runner. Fi- Home Star Runner is so similar to Axe yeah, Cop. Yeah. And it, you you can trace it because like the the brothers chap created true a trio of characters one of whom's named strong mad strong sad and strong bad like and strong bad bad has a wrestling mask and boxing gloves and like what under no circumstances <laughs> would, would you come up with that if you were trying to make a successful show <laughs> under no circumstances would that come much up. like the queen of london there is the king of town who has a poop sm- who has a poop smith <laughs> working for him like that yes, kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Did you guys see the King of All Time? <laughs> the mermaid show. Yeah, he's just Poseidon, <laughs> but he's called the King of All Time. God, I really want to see that half mummy, half everything. <laughs> There's such poetry to that. Um, that was that was the one that was set in the beginning in ancient Alabama, correct? <laughs> a pyramid full of like so. ancient rednecks. Oh, this God is this is when we get the backstory of uh, Gray Diamond, the sort of just like kind of loser everyman superhero uh, yeah. whose real name is Mark Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But what do we think about um, the existence of Flute Cop in this property? What do we think he brings to like because you can easily imagine this story without him, right? I think that we'd need the straight mm-hmm. man. Yeah. I I think that you can't have pure madness. Like, yes, you have a consistent character in, in Axe Cop, but in order for him to be the power fantasy, there must be someone whom observes the power right. fantasy. Like, you can't have it in a vacuum. You can't have it... And, and, and think about how the five-year-old perceives the world cop goes and does cop stuff or hero stuff 
necessarily there is a problem. But it's not a problem in his mind. Right. He's the solution to the problem that other people see. Right. Like, Flute Cop gives Axe Cop motivation. Yeah, in the, in the narrative he, sense. He can someone who can be saved, right? And somebody who could provide some stakes, right? When when right. when Flute Cop is turned into avocado soldier, um and he laments, "Man, I keep getting turned into things." And Axe Cop is like trying to relate to him, but he clearly doesn't have this problem. And he's like, "No, I mean, I turn into things too. Look, I'm Axe Cop with lemon." And there's like a lemon <laughs> wedge on his axe. <laughs> it it, it it's really demonstrating the gulf between these two in a way that it's like still charming that he has them in the same way that like Doctor Who has the, his companions who yeah are just normal people. <laughs> yep, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Var- varying levels of Doctor Who fuckables. Yes. <laughs> Is that like lunchables? But you got it with the dildo. That's C- the one. Cake. Yeah. <laughs> Look. I, that look that's the reason that they made that they give him that they give him partners is 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 that time lords time lords got a thing for for normies you know you you can't just have the man who is the solution to everything without people who view the problems rose is like shit's fucked doctor who and he says people don't actually call me that in the show <laughs> I'm curious to and see then, how far and then you the go. rest of it then the rest of the show happens. I'm I'm interested both in terms of like letting you continue and seeing how far you'll go, but also kind of seeing how much Doctor Who lore you remember. Oh boy. Let's see. There's the Daleks. And that's about it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I, I so yeah, I do think that Flute Cop is a necessary construct so that we can see Axe Cop through someone else's eyes. But they mm-hmm. but they don't overuse him as a as a straight man. Like he's there, he occasionally does chime in, but like he's not yep. he's not an overpowering presence, so you can still kind of let loose with yeah. the with the craziness, but he he's he's there he, to occasionally and, reality check and and then things happen yeah, to he, him to like you said raise the stakes. Somebody needs to be rescued, you know. That. Well, they they play with the conventions of that too because presumably he's a he's a partner to Axe yeah. Cop. Axe Cop almost always abandons him at the beginning of a mission. Sure. Like, he doesn't want Flute Cop around, yeah. almost. Like, Flute Cop is just chilling back at base doing the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Flute Cop feels uh, very much like uh, Ethan trying to get Malachi's story back on the rails a little bit, or, like, <laughs> prompt him for a bit more clarity <laughs> Yeah. Um, as an insert. Definitely. Um, are either of you familiar with the game uh, Exquisite Corpse? No. I think there are many games that are called this, but which one is this? This is, uh, it works either as a, an improv exercise or in drawing, where you'll you'll fold the paper into several segments and you'll start drawing something, and then the next person has to continue it, or it works with stories mm-hmm. as well. Um, and you basically yeah, are okay. trying to create this, like, ridiculous, grotesque creature. Um, it's, it's a pretty fun party game. It also works if, like, you draw a picture, somebody writes what they see, and then the next person has to draw uh, what you wrote and do, back and do forth. Like a, do like a game of telephone over many people mm. with yeah, drawing yeah. and stuff. Um, that, that feels very much like the way that a group of adults could recapture this feeling, um, which is otherwise pretty hard to emulate. And it, it, very... it's, what, it's what this reminded me of, of like, I'm stapling some plots together. <laughs> I'm very enamored with the notion that 
the creative control was left entirely to Malachi. I recognize that that is me dreaming for things that could not be. Uh huh. But whenever I think of the people trying to like thread the bits of the plot together, and always having to like be on the red phone, being like, "Yo, Malachi, listen, like you, you, you gave us three different deities, and sometimes two of them are the same person." Um, we, we need some, we need some help here. And he's like, well, it turns out that Axe Cop is married to female Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> right, because he got bored. And for that just to be the answer. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like we went to you to streamline this plot and now you've made it much, yeah, much harder, but we tied our hands You just gave us more variables. <laughs> uh, that's cute. That's great. Um, any other, like great moments or or uh strong memories from from this i kind of got all of them out in the it it, it is really just like like you guys said like that flash in the pan i saw it i loved it i've said i've you know i've quoted a plot and now it's all out the brain it's very stream of consciousness yes yeah very much so and i wonder if i'll ever watch it again like does this have rewatch value Oh, almost certainly yeah. not. Like, I think it's a, you know, you can only tell a joke one time kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, or like or like you desperately try to remember the contents of a cool dream. Yeah. And the more you try and put yourself back to where you're enjoying it, the harder it gets. How would you, um, like, sell this to somebody as like, hey, check this out? Like, Ooh. who to whom would you recommend this? Do you want to feel like a five-year-old? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's where I'd start. Do, do you want to see Nick Offerman in more things? Oh, that's yes. also a good. Place Patton to start. Oswalt will be there. He's got socks for arms. We're certainly still you... in a Nick Offerman boom with The Last of Us recently. So, that's, yeah, you know, yeah, that's yep. true. God damn it, that was a great performance. Um, when did so? I I already talked to you guys about the part that was most enjoyable to me, which was being able to see the five-year-old beyond the beyond yeah. the veil of this show. Did you guys kind of, were you guys thinking about that when you were watching it, or were you just kind of enjoying the madcap zaniness on the page without that meta story of where it came from? Like, D- Dan, did you, did you know that five-year-old was behind this before you started watching it? Yeah, that was one of the first things and the only things that I learned about the show before I went into it is... I think yeah. that is, yeah. I think that's a necessary thing. Like, I, I actually don't know if this show works very well if you don't know where it came if from. If I didn't know it, how would I have reacted? That's my question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hard to say. Well, you would probably, I I don't want to speak for you, but I, I might have written it off. Yeah. Like, if I thought that this was just writer's room being like, hey, we need another adventure time, let's put some wacky shit yeah. together. Like, I might have written it off, even though the tone of it works. Same, like, really. I, yeah. Yeah, like there's a lot of subjectivity that you bring to a work like this. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think just the fact that I never knew what was coming next, where like, okay, X Cop kills a bunny that's not behaving the way a, a, a rabbit should, and it possesses a child who shows up and he has to adopt it. So now he has to find a wife to take care of it, and he goes to Vegas to get tested for his ultimate mate, and he turns out he, no one is worth him because he's the ultimate man. So now he has to raise his ultimate son at a summer camp that he runs? Uh-huh. How uh-huh. how could I possibly have gotten there? <laughs> the lack of knowing is so engaging. But, but, 
But when you see that they're leading you along with this in- incredibly narrow bridge of causality, like, yeah. I can't really be led, I can't really follow a plot in a show anymore without criticizing the plot construction. Like, it's very hard for me to view a cartoon without thinking of, why did they make that decision? Yeah. Yep. You know? Yeah. Like, what? why would that joke... Is this really the most elegant way they could have ended this scene? So many... I guess this maybe is revealing some of my limitations as a media imbiber, is that I'm always trying to Monday morning quarterback the shows that I'm watching. And I think it's really important to know ahead of time. Mm -hmm. The answer to all those questions of why didn't they do it a different way is very... This is such an elegant solution to it. Of saying, we, our hands were tied. Right, like we we, we could not do this any other way. Ben, it's he kinda, has all the rights. It, it's kind of like when we watched the when we were talking about the Super Mario Brothers movie, and it's like, well, what were you expecting this to be? Right, it's a, it's a movie based on the Super Mario Brothers made by Illumination. This is all it could be. So, so to be yeah. mad or or overly critical of it is is self defeating. I don't expect them to use the word power-up and then explain what a power-up is. <laughs> I just expect them to say power-up and for everyone to know what it means. <laughs> but if I was watching some other property that wasn't Mario Brothers, if I didn't have the knowledge of what went into that construction ahead of time, would I have let that slide? Probably not. Like, that's, a, <laughs> that, that's like this. If, if you didn't already have an answer ready-made... This would cause questions. Mm-hmm. It feels like in lazy Axe world Cop, building. <laughs> in Axe Cop, when he says, we're going to use the dinosaur horn to eat the brain of the king of all bad guys, that's something that in a different work would prompt questions. But it's it, it's so elegantly undercut by having it be, no, the, the, the person who made all these decisions is beyond reproach. They are not yeah. somebody who's decisions you can criticize that's it's important there's it's important for enjoying this show that we check our hypercritical millennial media addled (laughs) like super critical brains at the door it's hard to do it is it is but when you know going in it's like a five-year-old came up with this and when he visited the the studio he had this idea and they went with it because, of course, he has the rights, and you yeah. just can't question it. Like whatever you say, I, Malachi. I imagine it's especially enjoyable for you, Ben, because you love thorough, detailed world building so much. Yeah, but I always appreciate. Like this is something that I'm realizing more and more with age. I always appreciate a show that states its terms at mm. the outset. I guess this one kind of didn't. Well, I guess it did insofar as it said written by a five-year-old in the in the title sequence. So I could have come up with that information organically just by watching this. And maybe I would have, like, poked around the internet and been like, well, what's this about? But it states its terms because I know the conception of this show wasn't right. crafted for my enjoyment. It was crafted to bring the dreams of a Calvin to life. Yeah. <clears throat> Dan, did you watch but, the Mario yeah. movie? Uh, no, we already have the perfect Super Mario Brothers movie. 
<laughs> a purist, great I answer. See. Purist, and the, uh, you're I'm, an Old Testament Mario scholar. Yeah, yeah. no, uh, Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo, and Dennis <laughs> Hopper are all that I need. So, before he got all disnified, he used to have a hammer. Thank you very much <laughs> to smite the skulls of his enemies. Although I've heard that it's decent, this new one. So it, it, mine is kind of like the "We Have McDonald's at Home" of, uh, yeah. of Super Mario <laughs> movies. It's like no, no, we don't. It's not the same, but I, I, yeah. I always have oh, a I think spot. it's a it's a good point of comparison because like it is a movie that in isolation is not very good, and then in the context of we just want a bunch of Super Mario shit realized on screen. Yeah, is very true. good. Yeah, true. Like it states its term. Like you, you're buying in to the terms of we're just here to watch Chris Pratt. Do it, do his best. Whereas maybe uh, the original Super yeah. Mario Brothers movie kind of suffers from what could have gone wrong with Axe Cop, where it's like, overthink <laughs> it for a minute. There's an alternate universe Brooklyn where Dennis <laughs> Hopper rules as a tyrant because immediately it's like, you don't let, need all this. <laughs> hey, hang on a sec. Let me, let me, let me try something here. Okay. So. In this advanced age of the 2010s, when Axe Cop was created, we had already learned what was not okay in cartoondom from the 80s, 90s, etc. What this show does is gets us to put down the criticisms that we learned over the past 30 mm. years. So, like, that, that is the beauty of this show, is it's like... Hey, remember all that limited animation stuff? Do you remember the janky plot dynamics in the early aughts? We're we're just gonna pretend that we never learned these lessons. <laughs> okay. Like yeah, maybe that is what it's doing. Is it's it's allowing us to erase our like you had said, Dan, like our incredibly media-addled, hypercritical senses. Yeah. And we're erasing that all because you have to give allowance for. You know, you, kids got to be kids. Let them, yeah. let them be kids. Let them like, play. Like, what are you gonna do? Tell a five year old that that's dumb? Yeah, you're wrong with you. Show up to like, <laughs> you can't criticize like a middle school production of Romeo and Juliet. Like, it doesn't work like that. I, I like comparing it against the the lessons of the medium learned over the past few decades because it's not like, you know, I compare it to Superman. It's not like a Superman that was made in the 2010s. It's like the Superman comics of the 60s, where he's just Oh, I have super hypnosis now. Yeah. Oh, I swallowed the bullets and spat them out later with the same force that they would have. Because, or Jimmy Olsen has become a lizard man now because that's that's the plot I wanted to have for this <laughs> issue. <laughs> yeah, but like, and that's the that's the beautiful thing about the subjectivity of coming to this with that knowledge is like in a different context. This is the dumbest shit in the world, and you would not enjoy it. But with this specific context, Jimmy Olsen as a lizard man is gangbusters. I watch it every day. <laughs> <laughs> and and I will also say, the fact that Nick Offerman really wanted to put his support behind this property makes perfect sense. I don't know how much you guys know about Nick Offerman. He is such a sweet man. He is. <laughs> he seems it. Yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a big old cuddle bear. Like he is very much 
not the man's man front that a lot of his characters come off as. He is very, um, he is he's a very sensitive guy, which but I appreciate. Is that not truly the ultimate man's man? Yeah. yeah. Nick Offerman remains the model of healthy masculinity in our society, dude. And this is just another. This is just another data point. Hey, case in point, it took a twenty-nine-year-old man caring deeply about what his five-year-old brother was like like you know talking him up supporting him in his fantasies to create literally the pinnacle of masculinity that only happens because these brothers this brother loved his brother and yes that five-year-old is fine with beheading everybody and well everything is dinosaurs and girls are on the dumb list but (laughs) but the hardest thing the top list but again you make allowances for this is a five-year-old, five-year-old. Yeah. yes no. he made bad santa look like osama bin laden but that's L- everything listen. was at the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah not I mean, in the car well, not in the cartoon in the cartoon he was like a like a redneck guy in the comics he was clearly like fat ah. osama bin laden <laughs> fat osama bin laden is a golden phrase that's 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 a golden concept anyway that's the phrase that yeah. pays for days <laughs> Yeah, this show really does kind of tell you that comedy is in the context of the of the environment. Yeah, telling the same joke in different eras hits so differently. Um, God damn it! Yeah, I'm fucking enamored with this property. Yeah, ain't we all? It's cute. Um, anyway, yeah, that was Axe Cop. It was about as professional a discussion. As we could have had. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I know we, we kind of flitted around a lot. So if we have anything else to say, now's the time. I think I've said everything I need to say about this. There's, it's just a delight. It's just delightful. There's a, I'm glad that you felt that way, Dan. Because, like, honestly, you know, like you were saying earlier, like you came in for stuff that you should, you kind of felt like you had to have more textured and well thought out opinions on like invader zim and the like Mm -hmm. so as i was watching this i was a little concerned that you would (laughs) dismiss it but that's like i told you before it's like that first episode i was like i'm not sure and then it took me until like the third episode to be like no, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, we're we're sure about this, and it just took me some like the mental equivalent digestion. of putting the bumpers in the bowling the bowling lane. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. if, if we just if we just build this differently, I'll put I'll roll a strike every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, I mean, like like we've said, like it's a five year old who came up with most of this <laughs> stuff, so you really have to just embrace that and be like, we can't just be cynical, yeah, like <laughs> hypercritical millennials all the time. Yeah. It's like sometimes you just got to take yourself out of it and just bask in the glory that is Axe Cop yeah. and bask in the, like I said, the the model of healthy masculinity that is Nick Offerman who wants to like turn this into a into a, a a cartoon and be the voice of the axe wielding cop you know it's that masculinity isn't like drink swear punch it's yeah. like it's like that's just 
embrace the soft side of things and just be just have some fun, some good old fashioned five year old fun. Yeah, yeah. I would want I would want my kid to have this kind of like imagination, and I would encourage it if I if I ever have the chance. That's the so. takeaway, and that's the greatest amount of enjoyment that I got from this show is that this all came about because this guy's much older brother sat down with him and said. And then what does he do? <laughs> yeah. Just like, that. it's so simple. It's such a simple thing. It's just give the five-year-old encouragement and tell him, what if? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell me more. And like, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to talk to mm-hmm. children. But like, I'm glad that that impulse exists. It is a good impulse and it is very heartwarming. Yeah. Um, thank you everyone for listening. If you want to tell us... Nope. Did the wrong order. Zane, what are we watching next? Ben, what are we watching next? <laughs> uh, Great teacher, Shit, hang on. Asuka. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I was going to get there. I don't think you were. I, I might have. It's your so edit. Next you time. figure it out. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um. Oh, Jesus. This is my edit. <sighs> yeah, I Sorry. did the last, like, three. <laughs> Sorry, future Ben. And I have baby. Yeah, Cut I know. That. um so next time uh we wanted to do another anime and this was an anime that i remembered more fondly before i tried to watch it again and yet you still want us to watch it again i'm interested to see if you will get what i got out of it um we're gonna be watching great teacher onizuka gto yeah, I've watched is... all of one mood, all of one minute of this. It's yes. some sort of like superpowered Johnny Bravo, like Japanese pervert clown. Yes, that's almost exact. That's how I, I think I would almost exactly phrase it that way. <laughs> I, I will say, watch through the entire first arc, and if that's if that's too much for you, you can stop that. It's just <laughs> going to be more of that. Good to know. Um, but yeah, I I watched a little bit of it already, and I deeply enjoyed the parts of it that I could still drive with. Great. Which, yeah, Th- things have been there. things have been too wholesome around here. I would like you to keep in <laughs> mind Golden Boy as you're watching it. There's I, a few. Mm. There's a few. There's a few. You know, pretty load bearing distinctions between the two works that you know they might be they might be fatal flaws of GTO, but they're in a similar. I'll, I'll try to keep an open mind. <clears throat> okay. Uh, and Zane, what are we watching after that? Ben, yeah. it is uh, a very important anniversary. 50 years ago, a landmark animation was dropped upon our world and taught a generation of children about math, science, history. We're going to talk about Schoolhouse Rock. Oh, shit. We're going to learn about how a bill becomes a slaw or whatever. A slaw? <laughs> you chop it up, right? Yeah. Something about pork barrels? I don't know. Pro- Dan, you, you, know, you, you know Schoolhouse Rock, yeah. I absolutely do. Oh, my God. He was doing jazz hands for the listener. <laughs> I was doing some pretty epic jazz hands on my video feed. <laughs> Any particular songs that uh, you want us to cover? Or uh... Well, I... No, just like... Just do it all. Just the concept. And especially... I gotta know how a bill becomes a slaw. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to pull up the important. recipe. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. You know, we haven't uh, done an older one in a, in a little bit, so 
Uh, we'll check Same. that out. If if I'm not mistaken, Schoolhouse Rock was one of the first like drama things that you were in. Is that right? It was the first uh, show that I was in where I was cast as a lead. What was you were you were the uh, the 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 old cranky man in it right that's right i was um i was the guy who needed to learn concepts oh oh, i was the teacher who had to learn how to teach concepts in a cool way okay so what so was the was the notion you weren't cool enough yeah and i was i was awkward and i didn't have confidence i was very much the anti-axe cop you okay you were a square i was a book cop i was a i was a book nerd I love that Book Cop is, like, completely, like, is just Axe Cop, but with Book, and that doesn't prevent him from beheading people with Book. Right. Like, Book is just noun. Mm-hmm. It could have been anything. Like, fire elemental, water elemental. We're still doing yeah, kind it, of the same thing. Book doesn't noun mean cop. nerd to a five-year-old. Book just means book. Noun Cop. Yeah, noun Cop. <laughs> And cop is just Superman, like different Superman, because he's different from normal police. It's so cute. Um, Thank you for listening, everyone. If you want to drop us a line about Schoolhouse Rock or GTO, uh, you can go to our uh, contact page at at GTFO. You can go to our contact page at fancybat.com slash cartoncast and leave us a note or uh, request us to watch other shows. Um, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review, and it really helps us out, and it validates our existence. And more than anything else, please tell your friends about the show. Dan, thank you so much for coming on our show again. Thank you so much for having me, y'all. 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 It's always nice. Um, yeah, is there anything kind of uh, Axe Cop related you want to send us off with? Um, just everybody... Stay safe and babies are dumb. <laughs> babies are dumb. <laughs> if I can request uh, somebody out there make a parody of Mr. Sandman, but it's Axe Cop. Mr. Axe Cop, behead me a man. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Oh, dude, do you yes, do you know the um the, the Mr. Sandman hand me a man? <laughs> Sand me a man. Hand Sand me, me a man. Sand. <laughs> Sand. Oh, it's, it's, Have you it's, ever heard that, Dan? It's an amazing dumb the song. song. Uh, not not the song Mr. Sandman, but like the 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 parody the, um, song, the parody no. song of it. That is <laughs> no. just it. Just it's it's the exact tune of Mr. Sandman, but all the lyrics are just like <laughs> some reamalgamation of of Sand Me a Man. Give me a Sandy Man, make him so sandy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have to find this. It's really is it on the YouTube's. It's it's just is great. it within a YouTube? It, I, you know what? This is gonna be really easy because it's gonna be our outro theme here. <laughs> nice. All right, fantastic. Cut it right in. Mr. Sandman, man me a sand. Make him the cutest man corridor who can. Give him two sands, like Sansa's and Hanses. Then tell him that his sands and man's are Hanses. Sandman, Sansa a man. Don't have no Sansas to Sandman.